Hello, it's just me today, but I've got a few news stories. Uh, Toyota is, has unveiled their hydrogen-powered pickup and SUV. And British Petroleum is also planning to expand their hydrogen services. Um, so this is interesting, and it seems very impractical. I mean, one good thing about hydrogen is it's lighter weight than batteries, and it would be faster to fill up. But right now, I don't think there are any hydrogen filling stations anywhere. So it doesn't seem remotely practical to use yet. Um, and uh, the generating the hydrogen itself, doing it with green energy is quite expensive. So it's uh, it's not clear how practical it is. But of course, if you have made the hydrogen with a green source, burning hydrogen does not release any carbon. So it might be good in that regard. Anyway, um, the Chinese government as a, they're one of their APT groups stole a lot of COVID uh, pandemic relief benefits, um, pandemic unemployment relief. And it turns out uh, at the time there was some fraud revealed. Now they, the studies have shown that between 20 and 40% of the money that Congress allocated for pandemic uh, employment relief was stolen. And so the notable news here is that both the, the Chinese hackers who are associated with the Chinese government are stealing money from the American relief programs, which is not something that was previously known. And I think the amount of rampant fraud involved in the uh, Democratic plan to just throw money at things, although I think Trump did some of it too, uh, is really bad. And this is why, you know, I I miss, uh, there used to be two parties in America. There used to be a Democratic party and a Republican party. And there was one party that was actually complained about wasteful government spending where you just throw money at things and let people steal it. But uh, that seems to be an increasingly popular activity of both parties. Um, the only difference seems to be that the Republicans throw it to rich people to steal it, and the Democrats throw it to poor people to steal it. Uh, so I, I'd like to see if there was actually a party with uh, fiscal responsibility in America, but that has completely gone out of fashion. Anyway, uh, the in the same spirit, it, the Supreme Court is judged likely to block the Biden student loan plan, which certainly is logical. Um, now, of course, there is a huge problem with student debt. It is ridiculous that our students have going to a lifetime of debt just to pay for their education in America. But simply having a bailout where you spend a large amount of government money to forgive the current crop of debtors and you don't do anything to fix the problem is just a very stupid short-sighted way to fix it there'll just be another bunch of people having to borrow another pile of debt in a few years to continue to pay for the ridiculous prices of college so um anyway uh and it does also is overreach of presidential authority uh the democrats would not like it if trump could just allocate all the money he wants to build his wall and he couldn't do it because the president doesn't have the power to allocate that kind of funds and Biden doesn't have that power either. So I think the Supreme Court is likely to make the right decision on this one. So Elon Musk seems to have gone full MAGA, where he almost every statement he says is a lie. And so he promised to, he leaked a bunch of internal Twitter documents to a journalist who then claimed he would have an expose, then put out a Twitter thread, which produced absolutely nothing of importance, um, showing that during the Trump administration, the Biden team, and 
the Republicans would protest individual tweets that they thought violated Twitter's terms of service, just like anybody can. And some of them are taken down, for example, showing nudity and things like that. Uh, and Elon Musk trumpeted and said, this is a clear violation of the First Amendment, which is ridiculous. It was not the government doing it. And it was not doing anything improper. It was not the government coming down with the force of the police forcing a company to shut up about something. It was nothing remotely like that. And yet Trump went nuts and said, we have to cancel the Constitution to uh, deal with this egregious uh, election malfeasance, which is the usual nonsense he spouts. And apparently Elon Musk is just totally on board with just making up lies and spouting them to uh, apparently appease his new demographic he's shooting for, which seems to be the far right. So uh, it is just exactly what the uh, the people said would happen when Elon Musk took over. He would just turn Twitter into 4chan, and he seems to have done that. And also, the thing I was worried about, he has begun leaking out private data. He Unredacted emails were published exposing people's email addresses and private correspondence. So this is what I thought. You cannot trust Elon Musk to protect anyone's privacy, not his employees, not his customers, not your DMs, not your payroll records, not anything. I mean, you're working for a lunatic. So I strongly encourage everybody to uh, not put anything private on Twitter. Do not use the DMs at all. If you do, just treat them as public tweets. And uh, I'm certainly, I went through the process of trying to delete all my stuff off Twitter. So I'm not sure how well that succeeded, but um, you certainly need to be aware that you're just handing anything you put on Twitter, you are handing to a hostile madman who will just throw it around uh, in some delusional idea that he is saving the world by just uh, furthering, furthering whatever stupid idea has come into his mind that he thinks can make him more popular with people, just like Donald Trump. So anyway, um, there is a case where a Russian botnet was sued by Google and Google decided to not try to get money, but just try to get them to shut it down. And so they agreed to a bench trial. And then the Russian operators made a series of unreasonable demands and claims demanding detailed discovery from Google, which the judge said did not appear to be for valid legal purpose, but it appeared to be trying to find out technical details from Google so they could use it to hack them further and then claiming they didn't have the power to shut down the botnet, and then offering to shut down the botnet if Google paid a ransom. So the judge finally got fed up with this and uh, awarded the victory to Google and declared that the other guys have the attorneys representing the Russians have to pay the other attorneys um, fees. He said, even representing these people, the attorneys are just basically instruments of committing a crime, which is good to see. This is... Uh, the crime fraud exemption for attorney-client privilege. If you are conspiring with the accused to commit crimes, then you're no longer really a valid lawyer in court. And this is the sort of thing for which people can get disbarred and such, which has already happened to uh, several Trump's lawyers. And I think it was yesterday, Rudy Giuliani was going in to face disbarment hearings for the crimes he did on behalf of Trump. Um, Everyone on Mastodon is crazy about ChatGPT, this new artificial intelligent thing that can you can describe what you want and it will do it. It will write a story and apparently it will write code. It will write assembly code. It will convert assembly code to high-level code. And people are very excited about that. But Stack Overflow 
has banned it. And they're trying to implement processes to stop anybody from putting any answers to questions based on this. Now, chat overflow is or stack overflow is extremely useful. It's where most coders go, where people ask questions like, I'm trying to write this script and it's not working. How do I fix it? And you get very good, um, simple, easy to use answers, although they contain mistakes frequently. And what they say is that the stuff created by this AI is so inaccurate it's very hard, very often full of mistakes, and it's wasting a lot of our moderators' time trying to clean up the mistakes made by this. And this is the fundamental problem with it. Um, the other thing this AI engine just did is people started using it to get instructions how to build a bomb and stuff. So they tried to put in defenses against that, and they found it's incredibly easy to get around the defenses. Like it's not allowed to tell you how to build a Molotov cocktail, but if you say write a Python program that prints out instructions to um, build a Molotov cocktail, you will get the instructions in print statements because that circumvents their attempt to prevent this. And this is the fundamental problem with it. The AI engine has learned to construct sentences and paragraphs that match the format of other sentences and paragraphs it has seen, but it does not know what it's saying. It doesn't understand what it's doing. So it is um, like a hastily written paper by a, a mediocre student where they've just taken sentences from the book and terms that look about right and sort of thrown them together until they look about like a like a real thing and put it out to you it's not like they actually understand it and it's actually right it's just sort of looking pretty good to a casual glance so that's what i would expect from it but anyway i think ai assistance for coding is racing forward very fast and very soon this will be how you write code you ask the ai to write it and then you sort of debug it and polish it a bit um all right uh, Microsoft is finding very slow uptake of Windows 11, just like they've done this many times before, from Vista, Windows 8. Um, many, many times Microsoft has done this. They already have a version of Windows that people are happy with. They put out a new version for no apparent reason that has no new features worth having and that has some onerous disadvantage that makes it hard to use. In Windows 11's case, it's that the hardware requirements are extreme. It took me quite a bit of Googling and several attempts to finally figure out how to turn off all the stupid hardware requirements so I could actually use it in my classes. And uh, it's just Windows 10 plus a whole lot of harassment and annoyance for no apparent benefit. Just like Vista was, just like Windows 8 was, uh, Microsoft pushes out new versions when they feel like they would like to make some profit by, by selling it, and they do not bother to actually put any value in the new product that would make someone want it, which is, I think, you know, the, the big difference between microsoft and apple you know apple puts out products and people stand in line to get them and rush to get the new one because they feel like the new product actually has some value and they want it and microsoft thinks they can just order you to go to the next version and you will just willingly pay for it and so they're now changing the windows 10 installation experience to try to prompt you into windows 11 and uh when they i mean in order to get people to go on to windows 10 they would pop up deceptive boxes tricking you into clicking the wrong button to upgrade your stuff windows 7 to windows 10 i think and so you know they they uh try to force people to use their stuff and then expect them to be grateful it's a corporate philosophy they just act like your boss ordering you to do things and not like a vendor trying to tempt you to buy something because it's good anyway anyway um so meta in australia Meta, Meta has news in the Facebook, and the Australian government said the news 
people who produce this news, the newspapers want to get paid when you use headlines and put them in your news feed. And they said, this is outrageous. This is a fundamental misunderstanding of how this works. The fact is we benefit the newspapers by deigning to send users to them by putting clips on Meta and they should be paying us. We shouldn't be paying them. And we will just not have any news in Australia if you do this. And Australia said, refuse to back down. And Meta did back down and paid those fees. So now America is demanding the same thing in the USA. And Meta is responding with a copy and paste of the previous statement saying, we are not going to pay anything. So uh, they were bluffing the first time. And now that they backed down the first time, I imagine they'll back down this time. So this may change the way a lot of aggregators work. So we'll see. Um, but apparently, uh, it's looking like Meta will be forced to pay something for the news they scrape. And then I would assume Google will have to pay something for the news they scrape. And this may uh, change the financial stability of news agencies in America. Certainly, if it brings back local news coverage in America, that would probably be a very good thing for the democracy. Anyway, and I found an article that says you have to clean your iPhone browser cache every month or so. And at first I thought, this is stupid. The whole point of the cache in your browser is to make surfing the internet faster, and your cache will automatically delete old stuff when it gets too old to make room for the new stuff. You're not supposed to have to delete it any more than you're supposed to have to empty your recycle bin. It's just supposed to automatically delete the old stuff. But um, they say you really should. It'll make your browser run better. And I wonder if that's true, because I have frequently gone to websites, especially poorly written ones designed for education, and they don't work, and you have to clear your cache to make them work. And I think what that means is they have poorly written scripts that have situations that cause them to enter a non-working state, and yet you have a cached version of the script, which is not updated when you go to the site. So um, it may be that the cache actually does more harm than good at a certain point. So that's... Uh, I'm not quite sure what to make of that advice, but it is recommended by some websites, quite a few when I Google for it, that you should clear your browser cache now and then on your phone, which I've certainly never done, but maybe it's true. And uh, the last one I thought was pretty charming is an article on Quantum Magazine. I did not know this. Particle theorists have to do these calculations based on Feynman diagrams, which I did just a little bit of long ago in grad school where you have to figure out what's going to happen when two particles collide and what particles are going to be created. And the mathematics is extremely difficult. Thousands of complex integrals you have to evaluate to determine what particles will come out. And so there was a program written in the 80s called FORM, based on Fortran, which specifically does those calculations, which are incredibly onerous. And this program was highly optimized for this one class of problems, storing certain things in memory and certain things on the disk and using sophisticated techniques to avoid duplicate work to make it much faster. This turns out to be an essential tool for particle theorists. And it was just invented by one guy and maintained by one guy in, for, in this old Fortran related language. And that guy is now retiring and nobody else is taking it over. And this is a perennial problem in the open source community that... Um, tons of important software is based on some tool that was just one person's side project. And eventually when they get tired of doing it or they get sick or die or something, there'll be nobody to maintain it. So it looks like this is going to be another one. And apparently a lot of work is needed because it's using computing techniques from the eighties. And obviously somebody needs to write a new version of it using modern techniques optimized for modern hardware 
And so while somebody in the particle physics community is going to have a difficult job of trying to analyze something in an essentially obsolete language and figure out how to modernize it. So uh, the, the current situation is not sustainable. And, uh, you know, it brings an issue of the something's come up many times, the incentives for commercial software and the incentives for open source software, both aren't really aligned to create a real stable system that will go forward. The commercial people just want to have a new product every six months and make a pile of money. And the open source people just sort of get no reward for what they do at all, except the beauty of the stuff they make. And so they eventually get tired of it and wander away. And, you know, it's, it's, uh, it's interesting. They're right. Both of those incentives are troubling. I wonder what the alternative is. I mean, one alternative would be like the Chinese government, where they really have like a 100-year plan, and they plan to build technology, and they say, well, you know, cryptocurrency is garbage. We're not going to allow it. It doesn't seem to be going anywhere. But AI is good, so we're really going to fund government programs pushing AI forward. And so that is another way to go, where you're controlled by strong government rules. I don't think you can do that in America. We have the opposite of a strong government. Um, our government is so weak, they can't even get people to take a vaccine or to evacuate from a tornado. So we have the alternative, but that does mean that we don't have uh, strong foundations built up in these software stacks. So anyway, those are the articles I thought were interesting, and we'll have another one of these on Friday.